curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? everybody. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship this morning. If you're watching online, we say welcome to you as well. You're in a good place today to experience God's presence and experience His goodness. Father, we're so grateful that we could gather here together today to honor you and to glorify you in all things. And we just bless your holy name. We're going to have a good time in your presence today. And we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
exalt the name of Jesus. That means we put his name above every other name. Oh, we say your name is greater than any situation today, Lord. We say your name is mighty. Your name is powerful. Your name is a picture of winning, Lord. You are all magnificent. You are all knowing, oh God. You know everything about us. You have every solution for us on this earth. We lift up the name of Jesus in this place. I exalt thee. Let's sing it again. I exalt the name of Jesus is greater. We lift up the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are Almighty on him for a little bit we say you're the mighty God and there is no one higher than you there's no one or no thing on this earth to compare you to Lord because you're far above them all you're greater than everything you are the mighty creator you are the loving father you are the best friend that we could ever have you are you Lord you're so holy and worthy Lord you are the way the truth and the life no man can come to the father but through you oh your way is exclusive and we bless your holy name we give you glory and honor and praise we consider you worthy Therefore, we honor you, Lord. You are the great and mighty God. Oh, we give you thanks and praise for charging this atmosphere with your power and your goodness and your glory. Oh, we give you thanks and praise, Father, for touching every heart. Oh, we glorify you, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name. Lord, we're so grateful today because of you. All good and perfect gifts come down from you, from the Father of lights. In you, there's no shadow of turning. There's no variance. And Lord, we thank you that you are here with us today and you speak to us. Come to me, those who are heavy laden with burden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, those who thirst, 
and I will give you living water to drink. For I'm the source of all good things to you, and I love you, and I'm drawing you close to me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Aren't you glad that we have a personal God? Hallelujah. He is good. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do a fantastic job? Hallelujah. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning at Victory Christian Fellowship. You're in a good place. You can learn and grow in the knowledge of God and experience his goodness. And we're glad that you're here. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, one of the things that we like to do here is we like to speak the word. And uh, we want to invite all of you to join us as we make our confession of faith. Let's make our confession. By faith, I choose to walk and live in love. God is love. And we live for him and walk with him. We welcome and receive God's perfect love. And we are fearless. Love is having God's nature within us. Love is God's adhesive power that binds us together. Love is the fruit of the recreated human spirit planted in our heart by God. Love is born of the Spirit of God. Love makes my faith work. Love is God in action. God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he acted. Jesus so loved that he came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. He chose to love me. He showed his love to me, and he gave his love to me. Love transforms our lives, our workplaces, and our homes. It makes life better. Our love abounds more and more and displays itself in greater depths, in real knowledge, and in practical insight. We have unfailing and fervent love for one another. We overlook unkindness. And we unselfishly seek the best for others. Through God's love, we are more thoughtful, gentle, and tender. Our love never grows old or never wears out. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God. To build a strong body of believers. And to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Welcome, Melissa. Good morning, VCF. All righty. We have a lot of announcements today which I'm very excited about because that means I get to stay up here longer. (laughs) All right. Month of September. Today is September 4th. So we are in a brand new month, and we are excited about September because this is the month of 2022 that our pastors will be here 20 years at Victor Christian Fellowship. So we are excited about that. We are going to have a month of celebration um, planned to participate in whatever way God leads you. Um, we will have more announcements about that next week. And today, after service, we have our book club. 
for the ladies. Feel free to stay afterwards and join us. We are studying Dr. Fiona's book, Take Back Your Life. So we are excited to get into discussion about that and just have time to fellowship with one another. Next week is September 11th, and Dr. Marilyn Neubauer will be our speaker next Sunday, and she is awesome. She is an authority on the subject of healing, and she is the founder of Triumphant Ministries located in Oceanside, California. So invite someone, come here to talk. She's amazing. And then on Tuesday, we have youth group. We are excited about youth. We are on fire for God, and every Tuesday it shows up in a different way. It's exciting. And then Wednesday, we have a Wednesday night refreshing. And I love Wednesday nights because it encourages me in the middle of the week, and I love being around church family, so I get strengthened every time I come. And schools started, I believe every school is in session now. Most of them started last week. So we have a program. We partner with Joyelle Ministries, and it comes in the form of, like, two programs. The first one is called Christians in Action, and that is for middle schoolers. So they can actually come to church for, like, an hour out of their school week and learn about Jesus and the Word of God. And so Pastor Nadine is in charge of that. So we are excited to put that into our middle school right here in Palmyra. And then the program that also works with that for the elementary schools is uh, Bible Adventure. So, and if you're interested in volunteering for those, if you see, like, our bus that we have outside, right, that is so we can bring all the children to church, right? We are excited to fill that bus. So you can see Chris Frenchek about Bible Adventure as well. All right. Then we have our men's conference coming up. Right? You see these lovely postcards that are out and about. The conference is all about leveling up. So your speakers are going to be Pastor Doug and Pastor John George. So you can see the webpage for more details. You can also register for it in the bookstore. Right? The cost is $35. And it's the very last weekend in October. So Friday, October 28th and Saturday, October 29th. Speaking of our bookstore, we are excited to have our bookstore online, and we have new books in our bookstore and lots of things to choose from. We kind of switch some things around, so check that out, and we have our Shopify, that's the bookstore online, so you can share all of the goods with everybody all around the world. Alrighty, and then just as a reminder, we still have our projects that we are working on, so our VCF kitchen project. I'm sure some of you may have seen we rearranged in preparation for our new kitchen that will be coming soon. So we want to have a new fridge, get some new ovens, a ventilation system because we love to eat. (laughs) And then we also have our stage lights project, right? So we look good for our online audience and can also spotlight people, which is just really cool to do. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> Alrighty. So for those of you who don't know, I normally do some sort of like what I call fact every time I do announcements, something new that I learned. And so God told me last night that I need to talk about daisies because that was not what I was planning on. So I, I looked up what facts about daisies. 
So first off, daisies come in different colors, which I did not know. Um, They come in like red, blue, purple, yellow, all sorts of things. I just thought most of them were like white with the yellow center. Um, And daisies, so also represent like are very childlike flowers. They represent innocence and purity and loyalty and peace. So um, basically, I got a whole bunch more facts. But God told me that we are supposed to be like daisies. So we can be our different colored selves, and we are supposed to be childlike, right? Have childlike faith. So we are supposed to represent kind of like what daisies are. Also, daisies are two flowers in one, right? They are a flower themselves, but that yellow center is actually a whole bunch of little flowers, which I just thought that was really cool. And the way they're designed, the bees and, like, the animals, they love it because it's got a nice big platform for them to, like, land on. And because there's so many flowers, they get, like, filled up with such abundance. Like, they're able to get a whole bunch of pollen in, like, one trip. I learned that, too. So as Christians and acting like daisies, people should be able to come to us and be, like, and get filled up with abundance. We are, like, a one-stop shop, right, as Christians. And... Daisies themselves are super abundant everywhere. They are um, one of the few flowers that are on every single continent. Like, they grow everywhere. And they're, like, 10% of, like, all the Earth's flowers. There's so many of them. No matter where you go, you cannot escape, right? So as daisies and as Christians, that's how we are to be. We are present on every continent, and you cannot escape from the love of God. All right, two more things. Daisy also means day's eye. I forget in what language. Um, Because it actually opens every morning and it closes every night. It closes up its petals and opens in the morning. So it is very responsive to the sun. Just as we are very responsive to the son of God. And last one, which this was really cool. Did you know sunflowers are the big brother in the flower world of daisies? Isn't that hilarious? So we are the daisies, but Jesus is the sunflower, right? I looked up um, a little bit about sunflowers, and the giant sunflowers are 20 to 22 feet tall on average. But the tallest sunflower ever recorded so far, which was in 2014, was 30 feet tall. Now, to give you a perspective, our ceiling is only 18 feet tall, okay? Isn't that awesome? I was just so excited. I'm like, Jesus is our sunflower. Like, we're a little bit daisies, but how great is our God? Amen? That was awesome. I'll tell you what, we got good announcements here. Amen? Well, I'm just going to share some things that will put a smile on your face also. Uh, these are uh, Proverbs from kids. And uh, these are kids' proverbs. As you shall make your bed, so shall you mess it up. <laughs> Better to be safe than punch a fifth grader. <laughs> strike, strike while the bug is close. <laughs> Remember, these are kids' proverbs. It's always darkest before daylight savings time. (laughs) 
Never underestimate the power of termites. (laughs) You can lead a horse to water, but how? (laughs) No news is impossible. (laughs) Proverbs from kids. You can't teach an old dog new math. (laughs) Um, The pen is mightier than the pigs. (laughs) Where there's smoke, there's pollution. (laughs) Happy the bride who gets all the presents. A penny saved is not much. (laughs) Hallelujah. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can put on uh, to go to bed. (laughs) And children should not be seen and not spanked or grounded. (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right, Proverbs from Kids. I want to read to you a a verse in uh, Leviticus chapter 27. And we're going to start with uh, Leviticus 27 verse 30 down to 34. This is what the Bible says. And uh, all the tithe or the tenth part of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem any part of his tithe, he shall add one-fifth to it. For every tithe of the herd of the flock, whatever passes under the shepherd's staff, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. The man uh, is not to be concerned whether the animal is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it, but if he does exchange it, then both it and its substitute shall become holy, it shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai for the children of Israel. Now, some people think that the tithe should be done away with. Well, if that's true, then so should the Ten Commandments, because this came at the same time, at the same place. But you know what? Every, every dollar that passes through your hands, the tenth one is holy to the Lord's. I mean, God's starting point of giving is a tithe, which means 10%. And then offerings go beyond that. But 10% is just like the springboard. It's the starting point. And here at VCF, you can give your tithes and your offerings anytime during the service. We have two containers, the wooden container there and as you came in. And they have envelopes there. If you want to give, you can give anytime during the service. You can, if you want to designate it, you can designate it. If you're watching online, you can invest uh, going through our website. That's very convenient and very safe. And a lot of people choose that option. But we got all kinds of options. Amen. And when you invest in the kingdom of God, you'll never get a better return. Not in the stock market, not in the futures market, not in any savings plan. But God gives the greatest return because God takes your seed. He multiplies it and gives it back to you multiplied. Amen. You don't get your seed back. You get your seed multiplied back. Hallelujah. So, Father, 
I pronounce a blessing on every giver and their gifts that they bring into the kingdom of God. And I just give you thanks and praise for your goodness, your protection, your provision, and your prosperity on them. In Jesus' name, amen. And at this time, we want to dismiss our kids. We have kids live, kids living in faith every day. They have their own class. If you want to send your kids there, you can. So kids, we want to dismiss you. Have a great class. Be awesomely blessed. And I want to let you know that we already got one stove uh, fully paid for. So we're going to be ordering our one stove. Hallelujah. And uh, that'll be coming uh, whenever we get it uh, uh, ordered. (laughs) And uh, so we're excited about that. God's a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we're glad that you're here at Victory Christian Fellowship this morning. You ready for the word? God's word is good. It is the word of God. The Bible is God's letter to us. This is God talking. This is Jesus on page and paper. Jesus was the living word. He was the word made flesh. Right? So uh, this morning, we're going to talk about how God is our provider. You know, God is a good father. And as a good father, he wants to take care of his children. And in taking care of his children, he can provide you with everything that you need, want, and desire. You know, God is just not the meter of needs, right? He is also the meter of your wants. He is the source of all good things. The book of James tells us that all good and perfect gifts come down from God, from the Father of lights. Our our God is good. And he is a provider. And he wants to provide for you. Amen. He's able to provide for you. He can, I mean, you think the guy who created this world can't provide you with what you need, want, and desire? Amen. No, God can do it. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, we're going to talk about this this morning. How God is our provider. We're going to look at stories of where he provided for people. And uh, what's going to happen is your faith for provision is going to grow. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, we live in a, a, a very um, interesting economic time. You know, you can't rely on the government for provision. You can't even rely on your job for provision. Your job is an avenue But God ultimately is the source of all good things. Amen? And God can operate his kingdom irregardless of what's happening in the economy. And God's got more than enough to take care of his children. I mean, he brought two two to three million people out of Egypt and sustained them and cared for them in the wilderness for 40 years. And the wilderness wasn't even their destination. Amen? They just had to pass through, and their their um, sin against God prolonged their time in the wilderness. But God took care of them. If God can take care of them in the wilderness, can he take care of you today? Absolutely. Unequivocally. Amen? 
And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now unto him that is able, say, God is able. He's got ability, he's got power, he's got authority. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Who glory to God. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. I like that now. Everybody say now. God can provide for you right now in this moment. He can give you what you need, what you want, and what you desire. Right? And he does it according to his standard. Exceeding abundantly above. When God provides, he doesn't provide just enough. He provides more than enough. He gives you more than what is required. He gives you overflow. He gives you excess. He gives you increase. Why? That's just the nature of God. God didn't send his son to save a portion of the world. He sent his son to save the entire world. That means salvation can affect everyone on the planet. And there's more than enough to go around. That's the extent of God's nature. But he's able to do, not only is he able, but he wants to. Yeah, God has the ability and uh, he has the want to as well. Notice he can do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Think about what you can think about. You can think about some big things, right? You can imagine big things. Well, God can do above that. He can do above what you imagine. He can do above what you think and ask. But you got to ask. All right, now go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. If you want to tap in to the supply that God gives, there's one requirement. It is a simple word called trust. You know, God supplies and provides for people who trust him. Every story in the Bible is absolutely true. It actually occurred. It actually happened. The characters were not changed to protect the innocent. They were actual people, right? God actually, they actually walked through the Red Sea. Jesus actually walked on water. People were actually raised from the dead. Blind eyes were actually opened. But it was all with someone who was connected to God. Miracles don't happen with people who have no connection with God. Amen? You've got to be connected to someone who's connected or you've got to be connected to God. Right? Miracles occurred through prophets. Miracles occurred through leaders. Right? But they were connected to God. And, and, and they were speaking and acting on behalf of people. All right? So look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. How many want to tap into God's miracle provision? Amen? Well, he made it very easy. T-R-U-S-T. Trust. Trust him. How do you trust him? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. 
in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. See, here's the problem. Sometimes people are trying to trust God, but they're leaning on something else. You know, you can't trust God and lean on something else at the same time. You can't trust God and lean on your own experience. You can't trust God and lean on your own knowledge. When it comes to trust, you've got to be all in with all your heart. You've got to trust God. You've got to know that God is the only way. He's the only source. He's the only uh, means by which this is going to happen. Amen? So you've got to trust him with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Listen, when God does a miracle, miracles don't make sense to your natural mind. Miracles supersede natural limits. Now, we don't live by miracles. We're supposed to live by faith, right? But thank God for miracles. Miracles are included. When you need a miracle, when you come up against something that is, seems overwhelming, looks too big, then you're a candidate for a miracle. Amen? And God's miracle will work on your behalf to bring you out, to supply your need, to do whatever needs to be done. Because our God is still a miracle worker. He does work miracles. And do you realize Jesus performed so many miracles that not even all the miracles that he performed were recorded? Because John said it would take it would take too many books. So if you can imagine, we only got a portion of what Jesus did in three and a half years. But what we have in the Bible is for us to benefit from. Amen? Say, I'm trusting God. You know, to trust God, it takes a decision. You know, when a child is crossing a busy street, it takes a decision to extend their hand to who's ever leading them across that street. Right? So, trusting God is easy. Now, sometimes your mind may wonder, what are you doing? Your body may think, I don't think so. But you know what? You know in your heart that you can trust God. He's reliable. He's truthful. He's faithful. He's dependable. He cannot fail. And he created the universe. Amen? So if you want to benefit from God's provision, you're going to have to trust God. I want you to trust God today. Trust God with your life. Trust God with your future. Put your trust in him. You won't, you won't be let down. He won't fail you. He'll, he'll bring you through. Amen? So miracles... We're going to talk about the miracle of provision today. Miracles of provision. Miracles are wonderful events or occurrences beyond human capability, which manifest supernatural power of God to fulfill his purpose. How many know God's got a purpose? God wants you over, not under. God wants you winning, not losing. Amen? God wants you to be fully supplied, not empty. Amen? A miracle is an event that so overrides what observers understand of natural law that it creates wonder. How many have ever seen something that you make you wonder? Well, God does signs and wonders. Amen? And they serve as evidence of God's active intervention in the earth. Miracles occur that people may know the power of the Lord and to witness to Christ as Messiah. They point to God like this is only, God, only something that God can do. Amen? 
Why? God deserves the glory and the honor. Hallelujah. And uh, we need to acknowledge him. Miracles are linked to God's revelation of his covenant names. He told Moses, Moses said, who should I say that the people, who should I say to the people who are sending me? I am that I am. Notice, I am ever presently with you. I am able to do what you need, what you want, what you desire. I am. God is, he is I am to you. He is whatever you need him to be. Amen. And uh, miracles don't produce faith by themselves, but they're supernatural events that wake, awaken your focus and they compel attention. You know, miracles are saying, look at, look at what God is doing. All right. Uh, miracles help bring people to choose faith or to, to doubt and unbelief. You know, if you see a miracle, you can say, okay, I'm going to believe God. Or you can see, you can see a miracle, you say, well, I'm not going to believe God. The Israelites did that when they were brought through the wilderness. They saw God's miracle working power, but then the next day they would doubt God. You know, they, they walked through the Red Sea and they doubted whether God could give them water. Think about that. The same group that walked through the Red Sea doubted whether or not God could bring them water in the wilderness. See, so miracles by themselves, they don't produce faith. They might inspire your faith, but the word of, hearing the word of God is what produces faith. All right? So miracles occur when God's riches meet your poverty. Miracles occur when God's power meets your weakness. If you're, if you're poor, you're a candidate for a miracle. If you're weak, you're a candidate for a miracle. Amen? And God's got a miracle for you. Miracles occur when God touches, when God's glory touches your story. Whew, that's good. When he meets you where you are. Miracles occur when God's health meets your sickness. Jesus is the healer. It's who he is. And healing is what he does. All right? Because he always backs up his name. All right? Miracles occur when God's goodness meets your depravity. Are these good news? All right, we can show excitement. It's okay. <laughs> Miracles occur when God's supply meets your emptiness. And it causes overflow. Miracles occur when God's presence shows up in your atmosphere. Something's coming into the atmosphere. Miracles occur when God's ears hear your cry. Because when you're crying out to God, you're showing your trust in him. Amen? So the preaching of God's word, what does it mean to provide? Or what does it mean for provision? It's the act of providing or supplying. God wants to provide for you, and he wants to supply you with what you need in life. Amen? It's the act of making preparations for something that is possible or coming ahead. It is God wants to furnish you. All right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 24 to 34. Matthew six twenty-four. It says, No man can serve two masters. I want you to know that money is not a master, it's a tool. But if money is mastering you, you know, you, you know, someone without money can have money on their mind. You don't have to have money to have money master you, right? 
It could be always something that you're looking for, always something that you're designed. You make your decisions based on money. Okay, no man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that word mammon is, is a word for riches. All right? Therefore, I say unto you, who's talking here? Jesus is talking here. He is giving us some insight into the kingdom about God providing for us and supplying our needs. And Jesus said, you know, because Jesus can't lie. Jesus is an expert on provision. Did Jesus ever, I mean, when he walked this earth, every one of his needs were met. And he wasn't poor because he had a treasurer. You, you don't need a treasurer if you're poor. Here, just handle this empty bag. One, no, you need a treasurer with something in the bag, amen? Something to handle it for him. Jesus was traveling all the time. All right. Uh, he said, take no thought for your life. Think about that. Don't take a thought for you. Don't be so consumed about how to take care of your life. Why? There's someone higher who will do that for you. Put your care in him, not on life. Okay, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor what yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than clothing? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Say, I'm better than a bird. Hallelujah. If God can take care of a bird, he can take care of his children. He is a father. He is a loving father. He is love. He is perfect love. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to your, to your structure? Guess what? Worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, ain't going to change your life. That's the Pastor Doug version. Right? Why are you spending uh, mental energy on that stuff when you've got bigger things to do? Amen? My goodness. For 40 years... Israel walked in the wilderness. The Bible says their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell. Their clothes were kept good in a wilderness environment that was rocky, rough, dry, dusty. And their clothes never wore out because that was a supernatural provision of God to get them through the wilderness. Because they weren't supposed to be in the wilderness for a long time anyway. God's original plan. But think about that. Their clothes didn't wear out. And they weren't even in the promised land yet. Verse 28. And why do you take thought for your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Or today we can consider the daisies. Right? How they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Have you ever seen a lily go, Whoo, I'm glad I made it through that ground. You know, I've never seen a lily wipe the sweat off its brow. Whew, that was tough. Glad I made it. No, lilies just spring up. And they'd be just like, here I am. Amen? A sweat-free, toilet's victory. 
The lilies grow without a problem. But why do we stress out about growing? What's going to happen? What am I going to do? What am I going to wear? Just chill out. Even in Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more? Everybody say much more. Able to do exceeding abundantly above? Much more for you, O ye of little faith. If you don't believe that God can clothe you, you've got very small faith. You are denying the ability of God to take care of his children. I didn't say little faith. That's the Bible. Okay? Say, God is my provider. Say, God is my supplier. Say, God is my father. He loves me. And that's absolutely true. Verse 31, therefore take no thought. Is Jesus trying to tell you not to take thought or not to worry about these things? How many times does he have to say it before it sinks in? Amen. Take no thought saying. Be careful what you say. Because what you say reveals what you've been thinking because that's what reveals what's been in your heart. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or where shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. God knows you need clothes. God knows you need food. God knows you need housing. My goodness, he gave the the midwives in Moses' day houses because they refused to abort the babies. He gave them houses. Say he gave them houses. If he can give them houses, he can give you a house. Amen? God knows you need a house. Jesus had a house. I know it says foxes have holes, birds, but no man, the son of man has no place to lay his head. That's, he was just traveling all the time, but he did have a house. It was in Capernaum. Anyway, that's a side note. Won't charge you anything extra for it. Okay? But what does he want? What, where should your focus be? Where should your thoughts be? Verse 33. But... Seek first. Everybody say first. Make this their number one priority of life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You got to seek the king and you got to seek the lifestyle. Seeking the kingdom is seeking the king. Seeking righteousness is, is living a holy life. Your lifestyle is important to God. God didn't save you to live like the devil. God saved you so that you could live like Jesus, so that you could be like Christ. Amen? All right? What's going to happen when you seek him first? All these things, everybody say things. Are things what you need, want, and desire? Yeah. Shall be added to you. When your priorities are right, God will take care of the rest. But you got to make your priorities right. Take therefore no thought. Is this like the third time he said this? For the, for the morrow, tomorrow will take care of itself. Take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto day is the day. Amen. So just, just think about today. 
All right. Um, go with me to uh, Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and verse 10. Psalm 34 and verse 10. Hallelujah. Talking about God as our provider. He really is. If anybody has the ability to provide, it's God. Psalm 34.10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Why? Because when you're seeking the Lord, he'll provide you with the good things. Glory to God. But you've got to be a seeker. A seeker is one who trusts. Okay? Um, let's go to uh, Psalm 65. Psalm 65. And we're going to start with verse 4. Psalm 65 and verse 4. Blessed is the man whom you choose and cause to approach you. How many have been chosen by God? And Jesus is in your heart. And guess what? You have the ability to approach him. You can come before his throne. Amen? All right? That approach you and that may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, even your holy temple. God's got some good things in his house. And we can go into his house. We can go into his presence. We've been granted access by having faith in Jesus to go into the presence of God and we can go and get what's in his house. He's got good things in his house. Hallelujah. Verse 5. By terrible things or awesome deeds, that's what that phrase is, in righteousness will you answer us, O God of our salvation, who are confidence who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are afar upon the sea, which by his strength sets fast the mountains, being girded with power. If he can set the mountains, he can take care of you. Amen? Verse 6, uh, or verse 7, which stills the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the people. Verse 8, they also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid of your tokens, uh, or your signs, you make the outgoings of the mornings and the evenings to rejoice. Just talk about the greatness. You visit the earth and you water it. Say, God visits the earth and he waters it. How does a farmer without irrigation water his crop? He can pray. You know, there was a man named Elijah who prayed and the heavens were shut up, but then he prayed again and the heavens were opened and it rained. You know, God can take care of farmers who have no irrigation. He can provide rain. Amen? If he can provide rain, he can take care of you. Glory to God. He visits the earth. You, you greatly enrich it with the river of God. You know, this earth is rich. It's rich in minerals. It's rich in plant life. It's rich in people, and really, there's a lot of unpopulated areas that can handle more people. It's just that people choose to live real close together, right? Millions and millions of people choose to live in small spaces. But there's a whole big planet, amen? And, and God, the planet can handle it. That's how good God is. You prepare them corn, 
when you have so provided for it. Who came up with the corn seed? It was God's idea. He knew that if you took this seed and planted it in the ground, that corn would grow up. And it would provide you with food. It would provide you with income. Amen? That's pretty cool. This is what our God does. All right? Hallelujah. All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Glory to God. And uh, we're going to look at verse 7. What if you have been a slave for 400 years? Can God provide for you? Can he change a slave into a wealthy person? Oh, yes, he can. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, it says this. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Boy, you don't want to be a person who messes with God's people. Let me tell you something. It's not going to work out well for you. Okay? Which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Notice, I am. I am. The I am is here. I am is here today. He's here right now. The same I am that was here, he's here because he's omnipresent. He can be in multiple places at the same time and not even break a sweat. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land. God is always wanting to take you somewhere better. And a large land unto a land flowing with milk and honey. That just speaks of abundance. Listen, the wilderness was scarce, but God, wanted, but God provided for him when it was scarce, but he wanted to bring him in to abundance. Say, I'm heading for abundance. I'm going to abundance. Abundance is my destiny. Abundance is for me. Hallelujah. Why? He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. All right. Verse 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you unto Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. All right. And uh, then he says that I am that I am. So these Israel was slaves in Egypt for 430 years. Now, as a slave, you don't have much property. As a slave, you don't own a lot of things. As a slave, you don't have many choices. You're told what to do, where to go, what to work. Right? But God wanted to bring them out of that. And uh, he told Abraham in Genesis 15, he said, your people are going to be uh, enslaved for 400 years, but I'm going to bring them out, and I won't bring them out empty-handed. God wants to fill your hand. He wants to supply something that's in your hand that you didn't have before. Okay? So uh, go to, to Exodus 11. Hallelujah. And look at verse 1. Exodus 11, verse 1. 
This is an example of God's provision. And he says, and the Lord said unto Moses, yet I will bring one one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, but afterwards he will let you go. When he shall let you go, you shall surely thrust out your uh, from here. Speak now to the ears of your people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Here were slaves. And God was telling them, I want you to go ask your slave masters for their jewels, for their gold, for their clothing, and for uh, their precious things. Now, just let's put it in today's terms. If you're working at a place, God says, I want you to go ask your boss. For jewels, gold, silver, and clothing, right? But see, this was different because this was God telling the people to do this. When God tells you to do something, he's given you the power to do it, and it's already a done deal. You just got to follow through with the instruction. Okay? All right? Now, go to Exodus 12 and verse 35. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. They trusted God. See, when you trust God, you do what he says without questioning it. You just do it, right? Because what God said, you know, if God speaks, you're doing it because he's right, he's true, he's just, he's fair, he's good. Okay? And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and clothing. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent them unto such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. My goodness, the Egyptians were so happy for Israel to get out of their country, to get out of, to get away from them. They cleared out their closets. They opened up their safes and they said, here, take it. They didn't even know why they were doing it. But we know because God was working in the hearts. God gave the people favor. God gave the people provision. I'll tell you what, when you work as a slave, God's got some back wages that he's going to pay you for. Not only did they, they spoil the Egyptians, they plundered the Egyptians. They took the wealth that was in Egypt and now it belonged to Israel who were slaves. In one night, in one moment, God provided for slaves. He had provision. Because he said they're going to have to leave Egypt and they can't leave empty handed. Why? Because I'm going to build a sanctuary in the wilderness. They're going to have to have some stuff to build the sanctuary. Amen? Where do you think all the offerings that Moses asked for the people, where do you think all that stuff came from? Egypt. Can you imagine you put in your two-week notice and you're on your last day of your two-week notice and your boss says, here, let me just put this stuff on you. Get, get, get a couple carts, right, and just take what you want, amen, hallelujah, and for no reason whatsoever other than God, 
told his people to do this because God the Father wanted to provide for his people. He wanted to supply his people with stuff. Amen? Because he already said in his word to Abraham hundreds of years later or earlier, he said, your people are going to go out and they won't go out empty-handed. God abides by his word. So these slaves became rich. Hallelujah. Gold, silver, clothing, jewelry. Amen. Ooh, I got jewelry all, all, all of my fingers. Glory to God. And so the Bible, they plundered the Egyptians. That was a, a divine transfer. All right. Let's go to, um, let's go to 2 Corinthians. No, no, I'm going to wait for that. Uh, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to see a miracle of provision. Second Kings 4 verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha. Elisha had established a school of prophets. And he, he had this training center, and he, he would go around on a circuit, and he would teach these uh, ministers uh, the word of God. And she was a wife of one of the students who was in the school of the prophets. Okay? And she came to Elisha, who was God's representative on the earth at that time. He said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant did fear the Lord. Her husband trusted God. Amen. Her husband walked with God. Her husband listened to God. Amen. He had a relationship with God. Right? If you, that put, that is the prime requirement for being in a position to receive a miracle provision. Okay? And that the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. When you couldn't pay a debt in that day, it was customary that your children would be literally sold into slavery. And they would work off the debt. All right? So they would be kind of uh, bond servants or indentured servants, right? So this woman's in debt. Can God supply your debt? Can God, does God have a way to get you out of debt? Is it God's will for you to be in debt? No. God wants you debt free. Why? Whoever you're in debt to, you're in bondage to. Amen? That, that wasn't a big amen, but it's true. Whether, I mean, the world system has created a debt atmosphere. They want you to buy everything in debt. They want you to be sub- subject to making payments, right? And uh, praise God, we're eliminating that. You know, this, when we came to this church in uh, 2002, this church had $96,000 that it owed because they borrowed money to uh, blacktop the parking lot, all right? So I, had, I did not uh, enter into that agreement, but it was here when we got here. So what are you going to do when you get to a place and it's in debt? You start speaking to it and you do what you can. And in nine years, that debt was paid off in full. Amen? 
Hallelujah. And I remember we had a mortgage burning ceremony in 2011. We, we, we had that mortgage. We, we had a copy of it lit it on fire, right? And we just praise God. Amen? If you're in debt, God will help get you out of debt. I like what Charles Capp said. I was listening to him the other day. He said, when you find yourself in a hole, step number one, stop digging. Don't dig anymore. Right? Look for a way out. Now, God will help you. It doesn't matter how much debt you have. God can get you out. Why? God's a deliverer. He wants you out of bondage. Okay? This woman was in debt. All right? And Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? God always uses what you have, not what you don't have. What you have is a seed. And God uses seeds to bring increase to you. Okay? She said, I don't have anything in the house save a pot of oil. All right? Let's just say she had a a jar of oil. All right? This is water, but we're just... Use your imagination. All right? This is all that I have. Okay? But what I have is not enough to pay the debt. So I need a divine supply. I need an increased supply. I need a greater provision than what I have. Okay? So God's going to use what you have, and he's going to multiply it. See, God's provision needs your cooperation. It doesn't need your power or your ability. It just needs your cooperation. You follow the instruction. That's your cooperation. Your obedience is your cooperation. You're carrying out what he tells you to do. That's the cooperation. Okay? Then the prophet gets a word. And verse 3, he said, Go borrow vessels abroad of all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Borrow not a few. Everybody say not a few. Your God is not a few God. He's a much God. He's a too much God. So when God tells you to do something, always do more. Amen? What does Jesus say? If someone asks for your, coat, your, your shirt, give them your cloak too. If someone asks you to go a mile, go two miles. Why? That's doing more. God's a more God. He's not a few God. He's not a barely, he didn't, he doesn't want you living on barely get along street next to Grumble Alley. Okay, so her instruction was to go and gather empty pots. Go ask your neighbors. Go, go everywhere that you can. All right? And then he said, verse 4, When you come in, you shall shut the door upon you and upon your sons. So only her and her sons were going to be in the room. Okay? And uh, you shall pour out the oil into those vessels... And you shall set aside that which is full. Elisha is speaking like it's already going to be full. It's already going to be more than enough. He's already expecting her to pour and pour and pour and pour. He's already expecting increase. Okay? So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her. And she poured out. Okay? And it came to pass. Let me say it came to pass. Right? Now, you think about the time to gather the vessels, right? 
bring them all in, get in the place and shut the door. That was the amount of time that it took her to get out of debt because of supernatural provision. It came to pass when the vessels were full. Who said the vessels were full? All she had was this. But now she's had multiplied vessels, containers that were filled with just this. She kept pouring, pouring, as long as there was an empty vessel. Oh, hallelujah. This is so good. And guess what? This can happen today. There's not a vessel more and the oil stayed. Once every other vessel was full, the oil stopped flowing. Okay? Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, number one, go sell the oil. She didn't know that to get out of debt, God was going to have her go in the oil business. Amen? Go and sell the oil and, number one, pay off the debt. Okay? That covered the need. But the prophet didn't stop there. He said, and live on the rest. I'm going to say live on the rest. That's overflow. That's more than enough. The debt was covered and she had much more to take care of her and her sons live on the rest. How long did she live? I don't know. But she was able to live a long time. Live at you and your children of the rest. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our God is a provider. He can provide. All right. Let's look at a New Testament example. And uh, we're going to go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Hallelujah. Are you getting a picture of how God can provide for you? Get those thoughts of unworthiness out of your mind. Jesus, Jesus thinks you're worthy, so you should think you're worthy. You don't disagree with who God said you are. Because he is, this is the absolute truth. Your feelings aren't the truth because your feelings can change. Right? But God's word is the truth. You're the apple of his eye. You, you're, you're his child. Amen? He loves you. He wants the best for you. All right, Matthew chapter 17. And uh, verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, that's where Jesus had his headquarters. He moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. They that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Does your master... Pay tribute. Back in Exodus 30, it was required that every person 20 years old or older would pay a half shekel to the temple as kind of like a temple tax. And they just put this on everybody. It was an offering uh, that when you were in the area of the temple, you had to pay this tax. Okay? And uh, so they asked Peter, does your master pay tribute or tax? Listen, God's interested in you paying taxes. Come on. No, God wants you to be able to pay your taxes. Okay? 
it, it, it's a great feeling when you can say, I paid my taxes. I paid them. Here's the check. I paid it in full. Amen. God gives you the ability to pay your taxes. Okay, so they're asking Peter. Why don't they ask Jesus? I don't know. Maybe. So they're asking Peter, and Peter said yes. Verse 25, and when he was coming to the house, everybody say the house. That's Jesus' house, by the way. Jesus prevented him saying, what do you think, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or strangers? Peter said unto him, of strangers. Jesus said unto him, then are the children free? Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go to the sea. God's, Jesus has a, a word of wisdom, a, a revealed fa, a fact of something that's happened that, only, that the Holy Spirit just showed him. Okay? You know, God can provide in many different ways. All right? He said, go to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish that first comes up. Everybody say first. If there's a first, do you think there's a second? Absolutely. Otherwise, why would you just, you could just say, take up a fish that comes up. But he says, take the first one that comes up. So there might have been some more. All right. And when you have opened its mouth, you shall find a piece of money and take and give it unto them for me and for you. Now, Jesus had a treasurer, but the treasurer wasn't with him. And Peter left his wallet in the boat. It's not that they were broke. They just didn't have the money with them. Amen. They just got in from a meeting. They probably wanted to rest. And they're, you know, they're, they have to pay this tax, right? But God's got a way of paying a tax, amen? God will provide for you. Who would have thought that a fish would have a coin in his mouth? And notice, he didn't say use bait. He just said cast a hook. The fish grabbed the hook. That was a hungry fish. That was a fish designed by God. The first fish that comes up, you're going to find a coin in its mouth. What are the odds? Well, first of all, of, of a fish having a coin in his mouth. Secondly, you knowing that it's there. But God. Jesus walked with God. Jesus heard God's voice. There was provision there. Supernatural provision. Peter had to, do, Peter had to follow the instruction. Go cast a, a hook in the water. What are you doing, Peter? I'm fishing for taxes. Hallelujah. Oh, I got one. Look at this. This is a big one. Open his mouth. Ooh, there's a coin in the mouth. Just like the master said. And not only did it pay for Peter's tax, it also paid for Jesus. More than enough. Amen? Say more than enough. Come on, we got to get excited about God's providing for us. God's a provider. Amen? Hallelujah. You ready for another one? All right, let's go to 1 Kings 17. This is a good one. And then we'll look at another New Testament one. 1 Kings chapter 17. Familiar story. You've probably heard it in your Christian walk. Hallelujah. But it's very powerful. Verse 
So First uh, Kings, uh, oh, no, we're going to go to First Kings uh, eighteen. Where's the woman with the uh, the meal? There you go. Look at uh, verse 7. All right? Elijah was told by God to go by a brook Cherith. And there he was provided for. The Bible said the word of the Lord came unto him saying. So the word of the Lord will give you instructions where to receive provision. He said, okay, go by this brook. He had just pronounced a drought, right? He said, there, ravens are going to feed you. You're going to drink water from the brook, okay? Verse 7 comes, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. What do you, what do, you do when a source of supply dries up? You get God's word for the next place of provision. You look to God, where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do, right? And you listen to what he says, okay? And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, did God know the brook dried up? Absolutely. He, he takes good care of us. Amen? And uh, he said, arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. When God commands you to do something, do you have the ability to do it? Amen. All right. So God knew Elijah's circumstance and God had already had a provision ready in place. He knew when the water was going to dry up and he knew when Elijah needed to move to the next place. God didn't say, oh my goodness, Michael, Gabriel, the water dried up. What are we going to do? No, when God provides, he looks ahead and saw what you're going to need, and he had it ready. That's what provision is. Okay? So what's Elijah's instructions? Get up, go to Zarephath, find a widow. Okay? Instructions. And when he came to the gate of the city, that is the entrance of the city, behold, the, the widow woman was gathering sticks. I like that, the widow woman. This was the one that was commanded by God. And he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now, it had not rained for so long that the brook dried up. And what is the first thing that he's asking for? Is water. The nerve of that prophet. He's asking for water. Why? He had a word from God that a widow, and obviously he kind of thought, well, this must be a widow because I don't see a man gathering sticks. So this must be a widow, right? So he asks her for provision. And as she was going to bring it, She didn't say there's a drought. She's going to get the water. 
They must have had a good supply of water here. And he called her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. So now he asks for water. She's going to get the water, but now he asks for bread. Okay? Thirsty, hungry prophets, let me tell you. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal. Everybody hold up your hand. Now, if I had a handful of flour, that probably wouldn't be a big enough pancake for me. Okay? That might be a bite or maybe two. Right? But this, this is what she had. Now, it wasn't even a man's hand. It was a woman's hand. So her hand was probably smaller than my hand. But this was all that she had. Okay? Can God make something of so little? Absolutely. Okay? So, I'm gathering, she has just a handful of meal and a little oil in a cruise. And I'm gathering two sticks. Two sticks. That's not much. That I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. This was all that she had, nothing in the cupboards. This was it. After this pancake, after this little bite, nothing else. Okay? We're going to die. She was probably already rationing food to begin with. She probably only used a little bit of uh, meal and oil at a time. Okay? And Elijah said to her, he's speaking the word of God. He's about to connect her poverty with God's riches. And a miracle is about to occur of provision. Because God's a provider. Fear not. Listen, if you want God to provide, you cannot fear. You cannot be afraid of your situation. You cannot be afraid of your circumstance. Do not fear. Get rid of fear. Say, fear go in Jesus' name. I would tell that to Josiah, and to this day I say, what do you say? whenever he's afraid, I say, what do you say? Go, fear go in Jesus' name. <laughs> it works, because fear left him. But you've got to say it. You've got to tell it to go. Fear's the spirit. Okay, so he dealt with her fear, right? Go and do as you have said, all right? Because she committed to do this. But make me a little cake first. Everybody say first. That's Matthew 6.33 right there. God wants to provide for her, but he's wanting her to put him first. And Elijah was God's representative on earth. And bring it unto me, and after, make for you and for your son. She already told him she had enough for two, but now he already introduced three in the, in the, in the equation. He is speaking increase. He is speaking provision. He is speaking supply ahead of time. He knew that God was going to do this. Why? He had a word from God. I've commanded a widow to provide for you. That means give you water, give you food. Okay? Then he paints a picture for her. For thus says the Lord God. Now he's not talking anymore. He's he's relaying a message. 
The barrel of meal shall not waste. It shall not run out. Mm. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. That was three and a half years. So I don't know how far it was that she was into the uh, famine or the drought. Three and a half years was no rain. Right? The, the cruise of oil is not going to run out. The barrel of meal is not going to run low. You're going to have provision. You're going to be able to feed your family. You're going to be able to take care of me and your family more than enough. Hallelujah. And verse 15, this is key. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Everybody say many days. My Bible says a full year. A full year, a full year from this mighty provision, that's God's power multiplying this little bit to enable her to take care of her family, to feed her children, glory to God. God's concerned about your family eating. And it was God who who multiplied that. It was God who supplied that need. Elijah had a need. The widow had a need. God connected them together with his power and he met both needs. More than enough. Hallelujah. Can we get excited about that? Is that a good thing? Excited. Come on, excited. This, This can happen to you. If you have a need today, if you're here with a need, God wants to meet that need. If you're here wanting something, and your want is in line with God. God. God wants to meet that want. And if you have a desire in your heart and you love God, God will meet that desire. Amen? The greatest provision of all was when God asked a man named Abraham, he said, I want you to sacrifice your son. And in sacrificing his son Isaac, God committed to sacrifice his son Jesus on the very same spot where Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac on Mount Moriah, which became where Solomon built the temple, which became Calvary, where God offered his son as the ultimate sacrifice. God, Abraham, he was carrying the stuff for the sacrifice. He had the wood, he had the fire, and he had Isaac. And Isaac looks at his dad and said, uh, Dad, I see the fire in the wood. He said, uh, but where's the sacrifice? Because Isaac knew that you always sacrificed a lamb or a goat or something like that, right? And Abraham said, God himself will provide. He is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. He will provide himself a lamb. So Abraham goes. He's there sacrificing his son. He has the knife raised and a voice from heaven calls out. Abraham, Abraham, don't kill your son. Now I know that you trust me with all your heart. And in blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. And he built an altar there, and he named the altar Jehovah Jireh. God looked ahead and saw. And that's where, when he was about to slay Isaac and and heaven said, don't kill him, there was a ram caught in the thicket. The ram got its horns messed up, but that was God providing what Abraham needed because Abraham provided his son. God provided his son in the very same spot. That's the greatest act of provision because that provided salvation for us all. Amen. You can read the story in Genesis 22. Don't have time to go there today. All right. Let me just go to 2 Corinthians 9. We're almost done. Okay. 
I can, I can see the finish line in my sight. 2 Corinthians 9. Glory to God. Verse 10. Hallelujah. I'm so excited. 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 10. Well, let's just back up to verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he which sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. How many want to reap bountifully? Well, then sow bountifully. All right? Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. What kind of giver does God live? God, God love? Cheerful giver. And God is able, say God is able, to make all grace abound toward you. I'm going to say that again. God is able to make all, God's about to unleash all grace. And not only will he unleash all grace, but that all grace will start to abound towards you. What's going to happen when all grace comes on you and it's abounding? And you always, always, always having all sufficiency, having being fully sufficient, requiring no help or no aid, having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God wants you free so that you can do the work, the good work that he has for you to do. Hallelujah. That's his reason, all right? Verse 9, as it is written, he's dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness. Verse 10, he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food and multiplies your seed sown and increases the fruit of your righteousness. That word ministers means supplies. He that supplies seed to the sower. Not only does he give you, supply you with seed, but he supplies the multiplication of your seed sown. He gives you the seed, and when you take that seed and you sow it into his kingdom, he supplies you with the multiplication of that seed. And you know, whenever you plant a seed, you always get more. One seed of corn produces much more kernels. Right? Hallelujah. God is a provider. Hallelujah. He's a supplier of all good things. Amen? He is a sustainer of life. And let me close with this. Let me close with this. Genesis 45, verses 10 and 11. Genesis 45, verses 10 and 11. This is Joseph talking to his family of 70. How would you like for 70 relatives to come over your house? First of all, would you have a house big enough? Would you be able to take care of them? Would you be able to provide for them? But when you got God on your side, he makes it possible. Look at what Je- Joseph said. Verse 10, Genesis 45:10. You shall live in the land of Goshen. That is the best pasture land of Egypt. Everybody say the best. Seventy relatives, most of them were shepherds. So not only are you going to give them a place to stay, you're, give, you're going to give them work to do. You shall be close to me. I'm reading it from the Amplified. 
You and your children and your grandchildren, your flocks and herds, all you have. Verse 11, there I will provide for you. I will sustain you so that you and your household and all that are yours may not become impoverished. And from there are still five years of famine coming. Not only did Joseph had a visit from 70 relatives, he was going to take care of them, he was going to provide for them, he was going to sustain them because there's still five years of famine to go through. Not only was he taking care of them, he was taking care of them in bad times. He had enough provision and enough supply because Joseph was a man who trusted God. Joseph was a man who walked with God. Yes, he faced trouble, but he went through it. He kept God by his side. He kept walking with God and God kept providing. God kept promoting. God brought him to the best place of the country. A foreigner became the finance minister of a nation that he wasn't born in. How did that all come about? That was God's provision so that God could take care of and preserve his people. He needed Israel to be taken care of by Egypt, so God put a man in Egypt. He put a seed in Egypt, and that seed multiplied, and it grew, and it increased, so that he was able to take care of the 70. My goodness. Look at Genesis 47, verses 11 and 12. Genesis 47, verses 11 and 12, then I'm closing. And I have so much to say, so much more to say, but not enough time. Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back. Yes. Genesis forty-seven eleven. Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in Egypt in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses or Goshen, as Pharaoh commanded. Joseph provided and supplied his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to their children. He even took care of the brothers that betrayed him. How would you like part of your 70 relatives, 11 of them, well, no, 10, 10 of them, lied about you, threw you in a pit, and wanted to, wanted to kill you for years? And they're the ones that you got to provide for. That took a big man. Amen? But how did that all come about? It was God's provision. It was God's supply. Everything that Joseph did, he experienced promotion and increase. God wants to provide for you. He's provided healing for you. He's provided life for you. He's provided a future for you. He's provided an assignment for you. But you've got to trust God. You don't just trust God on Sundays. I come in here and put my trust mask on. I'm trusting God. Monday, you take the mask off. Oh, it's easy to trust God in this beautiful atmosphere. Comfortable seats, nice temperature. Maybe too cold at times, but that's okay. It keeps you awake. <laughs> but this is where you learn to trust. Out there is where you trust. How are you going to trust God when you leave this place? With all your heart. You're not going to lean on anything other than God. Other than his word. Other than the Holy Spirit. You can lean on the Holy Spirit. You can lean on the word. You can lean on God because he's got big enough hands that he can hold you up. He's the only one that can hold you up. 
God, my God will uphold me. Amen? So if you want to get provision from God, it all depends on how you trust God. Put your trust in him. Amen? I believe that there are some people came here today with some needs in their life. Maybe you need a touch from God. Maybe you need help from God. Listen, God brought you here today, and he put this message on my heart to let you know that I'm, I'm your provider, not me, God. God's your provider. He, he saw what you were going to need, and he already had 